That's right, that's right, that's right. It's time for Movie Night Extravaganza, the best movie show on the internet, except no substitutes, uh, except no excuses. Uh, I, of course, am Conan Neutron. Conan, so very Neutron. And uh, we have a very special guest tonight, uh, Michael Lehman. Welcome to the show, man. Hey. Uh, why do we have why do we have Michael on J Andrew brain tumor for breakfast world do you know why well because because he's a director of some fantastic films including Heather's the one we're here to talk about exactly and we also have a uh, you know airheads uh, Hudson Hawk uh, so so many wonderful things uh, can't wait to talk about this of course J Andrew world joining me artist illustrator off topic maker uh, paragon of weird nun movies with strange subtitles uh <laughs> he's digging around for all this i don't stuff. look for this stuff it finds me okay sure <laughs> i've spent a decade curating my twitter feed to get this information it's your astounding man i appreciate that about <laughs> you uh and of course we also have the lovely and amazing christine oaks aka lick it up baby christina mm -hmm. welcome to the show i see you how are you yeah i i, I had to I had to use the quote yeah, yeah, it's good. It's this is this is an endlessly quotable movie. Like this, this is something that I think has endured. And if anything, I think has aged incredibly well. Like I remember it being quotable when I first saw it, and certainly in high school. But it still works. It still works, and it it, it pops, man. Uh, so of course, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this with us, man. I, I wish I had like an applause button or something, but we don't have we don't have any fancy. There we go. We got Christina. Yeah. So that that's there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks so much for agreeing to do it, man. Has it is it a surprise that this movie has endured in people's imaginations and hearts for this long? Oh, you? yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, we made that movie over thirty-five years ago. That is a long time. That is a fuck of a long time. So, you know, uh, I, I'm really happy. I sometimes say to people, I say, if you make something that people are still talking about that much later, even if they hate it. You've done. You've done fine. So you know, I'm super happy that people still watch, and that I'm sure it, it's totally different now watching it now than it was then. And I kind of like that too. It, it, yeah. So it is interesting that the thing that for me really got across that still is completely accurate. And we've been doing coming of age movies this month. We've done a lot of coming of age movies at different styles and varieties. And I would say we, it's strangely, we kind of start, we usually go sequentially. We started with some of the more recent ones, but what I love about Heather so much is the just bitterly like sardonic nastiness to it. That is also hilarious, but that is a part of high school that I feel like, often get missed with like the hallmark movies and, and, and things along those lines like no high school is brutal absolutely oh, yeah. brutal and that's without the murders of course but <laughs> right. i mean they, they weren't they weren't murdering people in high school back then the way they do now and, and yeah, so, yeah you know it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 i went to school in texas i beg to differ <laughs> they, were, they were murdering your soul and your mind right your exactly not 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 physical murder what wasn't there like an alternate ending though that that school did blow up if, if i remember correctly yeah fa famously the the original ending the school blew up and there was a prom in heaven and dan waters who wrote the brilliant script and is responsible for all those lines that we quote dan and i fought really hard to keep that ending in and um, we were basically told you can make the movie with a different ending or you can not make the movie. 
and we just <laughs> make the movie. But uh, yeah, we couldn't blow up the school. The the, the funny thing is, is that the, the guy who ran New World Pictures, which financed the film, really got the script. He totally understood what the movie was. He got the humor. He was very supportive. He just, for some reason, he said, I cannot, as the, as the head of production at a movie company, I cannot approve a movie about teenage suicide, no matter how sarcastic and funny and odd it is, in which the uh, people, their main characters, both essentially commit suicide at the end and uh, and kill people. So I'm not going to allow that. And um, and and we we held out as long as we could, and we tried every other, we tried to convince him. We got nowhere, and um, and we were told you can make the movie here with a different ending, or you can go see if you can find anybody else to make it. And we had nobody else who was going to make it. I mean, yeah, because first of all, it's already a dark movie anyway, and I I feel like that's one of the reasons why it has enduring charm. Like I think it's it's come like out of fashion, back into fashion, out of fashion, back into fashion at least like you know a half dozen times, and again maybe for different reasons, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it it's I I feel that there's not a lot of movies that can say that, but the idea of getting a picture like this done at that time, I mean that's it had to be like a you know threading the stone needle trying to, yeah. to get yeah. it done yeah. it, it, people will say to me all the time now they go no do you think you'd ever be able to get heather's made today and i say we couldn't get heather's made then it was just <laughs> we lucky. i mean we, none of us ever thought it would actually get made but kind of a lot of things fell into place and we had this one guy steve white who ran uh, new world he was head of production there who was he was fine with it he said we'll make this and he got the dark humor he didn't try to make us change it um, and, and, you know, those were dark days, by the way, the eighties, everybody, people now th- somehow, mostly people who weren't alive in the eighties talk about it as if it was some kind of happy, wonderful bucolic time where there were no problems. Like, are you, <laughs> Ronald Reagan was president, you know, that that's not, uh, yeah. that's not a good thing. Everybody remembers. I feel like you're peeking into our conversation at the breakfast club that we had for, for the after party, basically by saying that, because yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. And Ronald Reagan is, is somebody we often cite on the show. Uh, so, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, cause, cause we're always, you know, um, talking about how, how much of a terrible person he is, uh, e- even as a actor and president of Screen Actors Guild. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and he turned against all his earlier, unionizing and whatever he did earlier on if he did any of it which was you know supporting workers and that sort of thing certainly didn't do it when he was governor of california or president of the united states no i mean even even whenever he was president of the uh, screen actors guild he was uh he he was doing a uh uh, he was actually turning people into uh that were communist Uh, Uh, cool guy (laughs) yeah like he was doing that before it was cool so like he's like a uh, yeah what a mensch red scare hipster uh, all right great (laughs) guy People didn't know that he was still alive up until today. I'm like, I knew that. Yeah, the things you can't say anymore today is, wait, Gorbachev's still alive? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> as of today. At the time of this recording, he now is not. But yeah, earlier today he was, which surprised me. I was like, I thought he passed a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Gorby, uh, Gorby. <laughs> Since uh, Reagan was invoked, Forrest Miller had to appear. Uh, yes. uh, Forrest, the yeah. actual host of the show. Yeah, you say Reagan three times, he appears. Oh, that's like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Nice to meet you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. 
so so and somebody was asking in the in the chat uh which by the way uh, i'm still getting used to this but if you do have a question for michael you can send a super chat which costs money i don't want to hear you griping about it but uh he may or may not answer it depending on if it's rude or not uh but what did any footage of the alternate indian ever get filmed was the question that was asked i think no no i i it, it did it was it was excised before we went into prep on the film so we did not you know we weren't able to do it and it wasn't like we could have snuck it in and not hold <laughs> <laughs> There's another ending you had too, right? Where uh, uh, Martha uh, Dun uh, Dunstuck uh, yeah. was uh, supposed to pull a gun and shoot uh, Veronica. That was first watching. It, yeah, like... <laughs> we never we never shot that. I, I okay. can't remember when that when that came and went. It went for a lot of different endings to try to figure out how to best end the movie. So. Yeah, that was uh, there were some odd ones. That, that that was a memorable attempt. And it's already pretty dark. I mean, JD blows himself up. You know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like that isn't like you're not letting people off with like a happy ending necessarily. No, uh, and and <laughs> Veronica happily watches him blow up, and her yeah. cigarette gets lit on his burning ass. <laughs> Which I feel like I've seen that referenced. Uh, in many times, you know, it, it, to me, it almost seems like a Looney Tunes kind of gag or something, but I've seen a reference many times in other movies and I was like, I wonder if that's a Heather's thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I was thinking about the, it's always sunny scene the entire time. He's like, suicide's badass. And then that, the <laughs> ending happened. And I was like, no, genuinely in this case, it really does seem like maybe suicide is badass. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good option for that guy. He was a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. So I, I know you've told this story a lot, but Brad Pitt read for JD correctly. That, that's yes, yes, that's true. It, it's a story I tell a lot, but it's a story I didn't even figure out for many years because we were putting together a reading of the of the script, which you do, you know, before you make a movie, you do a table read, you try to figure out how well it works and that sort of thing. You 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 do it when you have the cast in place before you make the film. But with Heather's, the script was so it was so unusual and the language was so off that. Um, I think we all wanted to make sure that it would really work when it was read out loud. So I, I don't remember if the studio told us we had to do it or whether we thought it was a good idea, but we did think it was a good idea. And we just tried to assemble some friends. And the people who did the reading were Larry Karaszewski. Do you guys know Larry, the writer? Um, yeah, what is he? Oh, what, I think sounds so he, familiar. What's he, he done? He's done um... Ed Wood, he wrote. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's why he, I know. You know. Yeah. He should be on your show. He's amazing. Um, Larry read. I would, I would love that. We talked about doing Ed Wood for an episode in the. Yeah, in the, yeah, in you should do that. That be That's cool. a beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful film, but I want. I don't want to get us off track. But I'm not. Angry. No, that's an amazing film. Uh, so anyway, uh, Larry read. Uh, I was friends with Dana Delaney, the actress from China Beach. She read in this thing. Uh, we had a friend from that. I had a friend from USC Film School who was a film student, but also an actress. Her name was Stacy Travis. She does a lot of work. And we couldn't find anybody to read JD. And we asked Stacy, do you know anybody? Can you bring somebody? She goes, I'm in an acting class. I'll see, there's a kid in my acting class. Maybe, maybe he wants to do this. So she showed up at the reading with this very handsome young, young guy who was pretty, pretty fresh. We'd never seen him. We didn't know who he was. He was a kid in an acting class. And he sat down and he cold read the script of Heather's out loud pretty well, you know, he stumbled a few times, which you, you can't blame him for. And first time read, uh, yeah. Yeah, first time read. And he didn't know anybody in the room. 
except for Stacy. And you know, we went on, and and I have a tape of this reading. Um, I I will not make it public, but I have the tape. Um, and that would be uh, one incredible DVD extra, by the way. It would be. Yeah. It would be pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if um, if Brad Pitt got in touch, if Brad's into it, it, yeah, he wanted it out in the public. I could do it, but. Um, doing it, doing it in like the seven voice would be awesome too. If he was like, right, right. <laughs> what is in the bomb? What is in the bomb? <laughs> but anyway, we didn't think about it. You know, uh, Dan Waters and I talked about it after the reading. We said, you know, should we consider this guy for the role? And I said, I don't know. He seems pretty green. You know, he's he's great looking, but who knows? You know, we we didn't have any idea how we were going to cast the film. In any rate, years later. A number of years later, there was another script that Dan wrote called The Model Daughter, which was amazing, never got made. And it was set up at Columbia Pictures, and we were trying to get a cast. And somebody said Brad Pitt had some interest. So I went to, I think, Ben Franks on Sunset Boulevard, and I sat down with Brad Pitt, who had just done The River Runs Through It. and was not yet a huge star, but he was clearly poised to become a huge star. And I really wanted him for this movie. And we talked and we talked. And I said, oh, you got to meet this guy, Dan Waters, who wrote it, because he's an incredible person. He's very funny. You'll really love him. And he goes, well, actually, I met both of you. I said, no, no, you've, you've never met both of us. He says, no, no, I, I met both of you. I said, well, OK, was it at a party or something like that? He goes, no, uh, at the table read that you had when you were in prep for the film, I was that guy. <laughs> so I didn't have any idea. He told me. And Amazing. I went home and I went through a drawer and I found the tape and I plugged it in and there's me with a very young voice going, okay, everybody, we're going to read the Heather script now. And um, <laughs> Stacy's going to read Heather and uh, Brad is going to, and I went, holy shit, the, I called the guy Brad. That was him. And it's him. That's amazing. That yeah, was funny. <laughs> that has to be sort of like one of those great oh grand epiphany moments where it just sort of like like what what so what was the next sentence like what was it what was like what you said after that in the reading yeah yeah <laughs> you know i probably named the other people that were in the reading and right. we went on and and you know it just started off at that point out. yeah yeah um but uh it's funny yeah it's funny <laughs> and, and, but that and wasn't Kirby, the turned me down for the other movie for the model daughter that i was trying to get into i wonder if that was uh was he was he getting pretty busy so what was it was it was when we worked with ridley and thumb and louise he kind of got superstar yeah he, he launched he launched at that point yeah but, um yeah he was probably turned with down. vampire oh yeah yeah i forgot about yeah that. yeah Front 12 head. monkeys yeah. Well, yeah. that that's a, that was a bit later. That was like late nineties, though. But uh, yeah, no, no, that was, was the, uh, that came out while I was still in high school, which which I graduated in ninety five. So yeah, me yeah. too. Okay. It would have been around ninety five, I think. Thelma and Louise is I remember it being his first like big role, like it, it for for me anyway. If there was other yeah. things, I know he had been in other stuff. Yeah, that was kind of his breakout role. You know, that was where people like, hey, that's this Brad Pitt yeah. guy, we should hey, we should pay right. attention to him. Yeah. Pretty handsome. He's got he's something there. In the thirteenth monkey in the. In, in, in the movie about 12 monkeys, you know? He, he is, he, I, I, you know, it used to be, and I've talked about this in the past, but how character actors and like leading men were, or leading ladies were not one and the same necessarily. But I think that the, uh, okay, all right, everybody, fine, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not Wikipedia, I'm just one man, sorry. Uh, but I feel like Brad kind of started that 
trend of the leading man who's also the character actor at the same time. And uh, and, th- and now that's kind of almost expected to a certain degree. Yeah, because he's a character actor trapped in a leading man's body. Totally. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a lot hotter than the other character actors from the long story tradition of, uh, you know, yeah, Peter Lorre and like, uh, you know, I mean, like, it, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, oh, we went over this. His name's uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, JD, though, I, I mean, Christian Slater, yeah. like, I, I think this is a different movie if it's anyone that's not Christian Slater doing JD. Yeah, Especially hard, Christian Slater around this time. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? At that time, Christian was, he was virtually unknown. He had done Gleaming the Cube, a skateboarding movie. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember, I remember, well. remember yes. that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He was in The Name of the Rose, the Umberto Eco book that was made into a movie in Europe. With Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery. He was in uh, The Legend of Billie Jean with the person who was not his sister, Helen Slater. Legend Absolute of Billie classic. Jean, underrated. Yeah. My mom was yeah. a big fan. I was yeah. a big fan. And, Absolute um, banger. We had a really hard time casting that role. A lot of people came in and read for the role. You know, a lot of good young actors who gave interesting readings. And, you know, I kept thinking, oh, we don't really have that person yet. We don't have that person. And we kept trying all these actors who would come in and they they do these very dramatic readings. Nobody quite got the humor the way it was. You know, they, they didn't get the humorous tone the way it read in my head or in Dan Waters' head. So we were having a really hard time. We tried to get um, uh, Donovan Leach. Donovan's the son of the singer Donovan, right? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. And um, because he gave a good reading and he was a he was an up-and-comer and he was a handsome guy and he, he wasn't he didn't blow us away in the room, but he was pretty good. And he turned us down. We never actually offered him the, the role, but we wanted to bring him in for a screen test. And he turned us down to do the remake of The Thing, which was being... Uh-huh. I think it was The Thing. I'm pretty sure. Um, and there was so, another so guy. Yeah. The, the, the Carpenter one or the... Oh, wait. No, 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 no. He couldn't the, have blob. Been the, the blob. The blob. That's what I'm thinking of. Almost the same number of letters remaking something. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Very, I, 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 very, I'm sorry. You know, the blob, the thing, it's, you know, for me. I was like, you turned over the thing. It's like, well, it's, 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 it's the like, generic noun movie, which, whichever one it was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. whatever. Oh, God, the blob, man. I remember watching that. That was horrible. And the yeah, 80s blob is like. Yeah, it's not. It's not bad. The what's it movie? It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's not it's bad fine. at all. It's well but done, he, genre movie, you know. Special effects. Yeah. Yeah. They Especially were being made the same time we were. And we were competing for the same actors. And the director of the blob, um, who went on to do the mask, um, was uh he was also a producer, and I didn't know him, but he was uh, said to be a very nice guy, was really good at talking to actors and convincing them that they should do the blob rather than Heather's. So a lot of actors who came in who were good would say, well, you know, I'll do your movie if I don't get the blob. And I didn't love that. You know, I thought yeah, if, you, if yeah. you are choosing the blob over Heather's, then you don't get 
And Dom well, and yeah, no, the blob isn't cool at all. But I mean, Heather's, as we've firmly established, uh, imagine Kevin Dillon in the role of JD. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is uh i mean it's an all-timer right it's a movie people come back to over and over again and and it's it, it i mean it firmly established an era where i think the black comedy kind of was coming to its uh into its own as a as an art form and, and as a genre at the video store i might add right right <laughs> well the video My stores video. had a lot to do with you you know at that time because video home video was growing it gave a bunch of us the opportunities to make movies that couldn't have been made like six or seven years before that or 10 years before that. So um, video stores helped us out and helped us be able to do all these dark films because you could make some crazy shit and get it out in a video store and it could make its money back, which is what the people who pay for these things really care about most. And that's how you got to have like what became known as cult classics, right? Because, because the, the classic part of it is that people would... You know, they, if they, maybe they missed it when it came in the theater, but it would live a life where people like, hey, did you see this movie, Heather's? It's freaking awesome. Like, you should check this out. Like, it's so great. I, I mean, they, I remember I was in middle school, uh, went over to my friend's house where I was watching movies together, and he pulled out Heather's one uh, one week, and I'm like, no, I've never seen this. And he's like, yeah, you'll like it. <laughs> Are you a fan of Suicide? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, Ghost Rider, yeah. great song. I remember so, watching middle school for the first time because I was I, I got all my knowledge on the '80s from I Love the '80s on VH1. So it, they did like one on Heather's. So I was like, ooh, because I was already a huge fan of Winona Ryder. I was like, ooh, and I've already saw like. You got to talk about this twice and twice back to back episodes. Yeah, exactly. Like, because we did the '80s movies, movies at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Michael, we have this. This show is split between uh, you, have, you have Andy and I at the tail end of Gen X, and you have the youngins over there. So uh, yeah. that's, sometimes I just don't say anything and shake my head. And this is one of those times. Uh, but that said, it is interesting that I think Heather's culturally is one of those movies that's kind of seeped through. Like it's 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 kind of it's managed. A musical. To, yeah, it's, it's a musical. There's a musical. Uh, and the song, can you tell me how the, the, the teen suicide don't do it came to pass? Because like, I think, again, I'm the musician of this group. So of course yeah. I'm going to focus on the music. But Oh my God, that, amazing. That song was uh, done and produced by a guy named Don Dixon. Does that name mean anything to you? I I, I do, but please, please okay. uh, illuminate so, the rest of the panel in the audience. So uh, Don was a producer. He was part of, I think he was really part of the Athens, Georgia scene. And he, he produced some stuff. He's kind of part of that early REM kind of uh, wave of music. And he lived in North Carolina and he was doing solo stuff. Uh, he had a solo, solo album called Some of the Girls Like to Dance or something, which was pretty good. And he was not very well known. And um, one of, I, I knew his music and some of us making the movie knew his music. And I don't know why we went to him, but we did. And he, he got it. He said, sure, I'll do that. He made the song for us. It's it's so great and 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 by the way the the name Big Fun as for the band too is like just quintessentially of its time as well and I I yeah. I, I doff my cap to that because it's I, pretty yeah. amazing. I will say though, the Queen has a song called oh, "Don't Cry Suicide." Wait, wait. Uh, th well, and that's that's supposedly one of the things he was thinking about. Hold on, uh, Michael. Hold on. Let, let, let me uh, solo you. We can uh, take a take a look at that here uh, if I can find the thing. Yeah. Up there. There's a big, <laughs> that's, big fun that's doll. The, orig the original big fun Barbie. 
That's oh, wow. fantastic. That's amazing. That that's how you know that like you've made like a cultural impact, even if it isn't like you know billions of dollars in the bank account. Yeah. Do, you have a, do you have your own Barbie with the with a big fun T-shirt? I don't think so. No, that's the one. That's the only one that exists. And, and just for Conan's fans out there, Don Dixon was uh, one of the people who almost produced uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. Yep, he was in the mix, ah. and uh, he is part of the scene that friend of mine uh, plays drums for Mike Mills uh, too. So I know a lot of those uh, that, that Athens crew of people, but. Yeah, I, I, when I found out it was him, I was like, "Oh wow, really?" Because <laughs> I just, I, I just assumed it. Like the first thing I thought of it was some band I'd never heard of, or that it was something going to be something like you know, like uh, yeah, Sparks with the roller coaster movie or something. You know what I mean? Uh, and then uh, that's a deep cut reference even for me. Sorry, yeah. but the but the, then I was like, "Oh, it's Don Dixon! Holy crap! I had no idea." <laughs> we were big fans. We thought we you know I, yeah, I loved his music. Good. We knew his music, and and I think we just thought. Maybe he wants to do it. And we went out to him and he said, yes. So we were happy. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so the character, so so the character of JD, who, who is very much an archetype now, I feel. But I feel like at the time, it's sort of like, oh, what if James Dean, but also violent, was sort of like the, 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 <laughs> the mindset. And of which now that is not just an unfortunate archetype, it's an unfortunate reality. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, for a lot of schools, which is uh, not very fun at all. But I think, you know, I think Christian Slater's gone on record saying is, you know, he, he admired you know, like young Jack Nicholson, especially, and was kind of going for like his, his own thing for that. There's a fine line between like doing that just right and kind of doing a little too much, whereas the movie in general is a little too much, but that's what makes it work. But it occurs to me that the artistry to which the direction is, is done. Did you have to tell people to dial it back or dial it up or anything along those lines uh, at any moment, or were people intrinsically getting it? No, you. That's what you do as a director. You know, you're spending your days telling people dial it up, dial it back, and that probably stated in slightly different words because those sometimes don't make actors happy. But um, right. in Christian's in Christian's case, um, we talked about the Jack Nicholson stuff before we were shooting and while we were shooting, because I said to him, I said, we don't want to make it look like we're trying to do a Jack Nicholson thing to imitate him flat out. And um, he, he explained two things to me at that time, which made sense for me as a director. One is he loved Jack Nicholson's work and he had looked at the work of other actors and of all the people out there who he felt had been doing performances in movies that he could emulate, Jack Nicholson had done great work in dark comedies. And so, you know, it made sense to him to pattern the approach at least. And then he said, the fact was his voice does just sound like Jack Nicholson. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah. So he was not trying to imitate him. He said, that's my voice. And and what? that's true, you know. And look at something like One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, like which we've covered on this show, right? Like. It's not a comedy, but it sure has some incredibly funny moments. And one of the reasons oh, yeah. why is because, you know, you have that, that like just very measured pace of Jack Nicholson, like doing his lines as he plays that character who we've yeah. established is also maybe not the best dude in the world, but not Jack yeah. Nicholson, the character in One Flew. Right. Like, why is he there? Yeah, we don't speak of such things. Um, but uh, so you also you also had Winona though, Winona yeah. Ryder, who was pretty good at the old uh, the acting from a very young age. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I love it. it I I would put this up with like the classic 
I mean, I was working a lot with Tim Burton at the time. Like those roles have just been not only her embodying that character and being a badass at it, but being very influential for a whole genre of uh, style of character as, as well. Yeah, she was a really something at the time. I mean, you know, she just turned 16, I think, when she started the movie. So she was very, very young, uh, which was important to me because, you know, we'd seen all these John Hughes movies, which we liked, but they all started had 25-year-olds playing teenagers. Yeah, and, yeah we talked about that. Yeah, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, that first one. Yeah, like, Toby Maguire, like, like, you're up right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should not have let James Franco <laughs> into that high school. I'm going to be honest about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, especially what we do now. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, so I, I really, really, really didn't want to cast people who were too old to be in high school. So, you know, part of what we were aiming for was getting the real young actors who could do it. And Christian was 19. He was still young. And uh, Shannon was 15 when she started the movie. And Lizanne Falk, who played uh, uh, the other Heather, she was older. She was in her early 20s. Um, but she was the only one of the principals who who wasn't an actual teenager. Anyway, Winona was very young. Nobody really knew who she was. I, I'd seen her in a movie called um, uh, Square Dance it, that was an indie film. And um, she uh, she she had a little reputation, but no, you know, she didn't mean anything. She didn't mean anything to the studio when when we said, um, you know, uh, I'd like to cast this girl Winona Ryder. They were like, who, what? No, you can't do that. Um, but the way we got to her is interesting. And uh, a writer named Michael McDowell, who was represented by the same agent who represented me and Daniel Waters, and I think Denise Sanobi, the producer of the film, she represented Michael McDowell, who was the co-writer of Beetlejuice. And Bobby Thompson was her name, the, the, the agent. She sent Michael the script and said, you'll get a big kick out of it. And he was a great guy and a great sense of humor. And he read the script and he flipped for it. And he said, not only do I love this script and not only will I do anything I can to support this thing, but I have the perfect actress to play Veronica. And he said, her name is Winona Ryder. She's in Beetlejuice, which is shooting right now. She's amazing. You've got to, you know, you got to let me show it to her. And I'd seen Winona in um, Square Dance and I thought she was really good. And I said, Fuck yes, show it to her. So he did, and she read it. She loved it. She went to her agent and said, I'd like to go up for this role. And her agent said, you, no, I won't let you do this. So she was told she was already too big a star, you know, on the star track that she shouldn't do some crazy little movie by a first-time director at New World that nobody was ever going to see and it was going to be awful. And her obscure agent did, thing. Yeah. Yes, this obscure thing. Uh, I don't recommend that you do it. In fact, I forbid you to do it. And Winona, to her credit, said, I don't care what you say. I really want to do this. And she, she got can't tell a 16-year-old not, yeah. not to do something that's dangerous. Yeah. Once, you've, once you've made it dangerous, like, oh, this yeah. role is going to be dangerous for your career, that 16-year-old is 100% taking that role. Congratulations. Go to suicide? Yeah, let's yeah. kill ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially that 16-year-old because Winona was yeah. very, very precocious. And um, yeah. so we arranged for a meeting at the New World building, and I remember getting in the elevator and walking up to the elevator was Winona and her, I think she was with her mother. And I, I watched her, I said, oh, she's going to be great. And we introduced each other. Uh, to ourselves we, we introduced ourselves in the elevator and she went in and we took a meeting i don't think she auditioned we just talked and it was like you know let's let's put her in this movie and she which was a, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty Seriously. noticeable, I'm sure. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, what's so great about Winona is that she played so many different types of teenagers uh, during, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, from, like, Beetlejuice. Uh, she played uh, Jared Lewis's cousin that he married in Great Balls of Fire, of course, Heather. She did Mermaids, where she played a completely different, like, character, obviously also Beetlejuice. So, like, her going from, like, Heather's to, like, Mermaids, where she plays, like, this innocent, like, yet somewhat horny teenager is just fascinating to me. Like, she has range like she is so phenomenal and that's why she's one of my favorite actresses because she's still killing it obviously with stranger things as well absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. that first you season just years later because she was dating johnny depp for a little while <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> she was we wanted to get johnny depp to play um jd oh, I mean, but oh. you know he was on uh you know his uh, the, yeah yeah, Jump 21 Jump Street. That's right. Yeah, there was no movie way to get that came out recently, young viewers. Yeah, the original. Which was just cameo was brilliant. I have uh, I have I have beef with the guy that uh that wrote and directed the newer 21 Jump Street. You do? <laughs> Apparently, he got he got people? He, he got yeah, it's Bill Lord and the other guy, but he uh he blocked me on Twitter and got upset because <laughs> he was he was really mad. He was really mad that uh, Fidel Castro was going to look too hot in uh, in the new James Franco movie where he plays Fidel Castro. <laughs> and, but, and so, like, I looked at, like, what his background is. He's, like, a white Cuban guy. Like, his family's Cuban. And it turns out his grandfather was the agricultural secretary uh, and, and signed the Platt Amendment, which is the thing that, you know, gave, like, seeded Cuba to the United States, essentially. And he had so many plantations that they made him agriculture secretary. So I thought it was the most hilarious thing in the world. But I was like, bro, you literally, like, your grandfather had, like, six plantations. That's why you guys miss Cuba so much. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I got blocked five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, Forrest is very busy on the internet when he's not doing this show. So that's what he yeah. So, so two things. I, I want to open it up for the rest of the panel to have, have their time with you, too. T tell me about how... Dan brought you, like how how did you get to the script? How did you get to directing it um, with Dan? Uh, you knew him beforehand, right? If I remember correctly, I, I did. I knew him through Larry Karaszewski, who I knew in film school at USC. Dan didn't go to school with us, but Dan was Larry's friend from high school, and he was living in LA and he was working at a video store and he was writing Heather's. And he was part of this group of people that I hung out with, who were all a lot of fun and we we liked really crazy movies, and. Uh, Larry called me one day and he said, you know, Dan wrote this great script and he's looking for an agent. And I said, well, you should have a show it to your agent because Larry and his partner, Scott Alexander, had an agent coming out of school. And he said, yeah, my agent just didn't get it. Uh, maybe you can help with yours. So I, I thought, I thought, OK, let, let me read the script. And, and Dan called me and he sent me the script and it was 250 pages and it was fucking amazing. I mean, I it was so good and I didn't even really get it. I remember saying this thing is overwhelming. This is a, this is a tone. It's too long. You know, Big it's script. Never, yeah, that's yeah, long. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can't get this made, but it's got brilliant stuff in it. And uh, I said, you know, let me see what I can do. Uh, I'll show it to my agent, you know, and I, I think I must've showed her the long draft. I, I don't know for sure. I, I might've, he might've cut it down, but I think I showed her the long 250 page draft and she immediately went wild for it she said this guy this guy's so talented i want to represent him so he got an agent through me and then um dan told bobby the the agent he said to her you know well i want stanley kubert to direct this movie 
So she said, okay. <laughs> yeah, really? See, and he good said, thing, yes. it's the length of Barry Lyndon, you know. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one who can make a movie that long. Um, anyway, uh, so she took it to Stanley Kubrick, and, and I said. Now everybody makes a movie that long. They're just yeah. even Batman. Like, even, even Batman so That's a store point on this show. Tighten it up, folks. Yeah. Anyway, um, I told Bobby, I said, if, if Stanley passes, why don't you come back to me and let's see if I can fold this into uh, a deal that I was setting up at, at New World because they like my student film. And uh, and that's what happened. So uh, Dan and I were friends. Denise Denobi, who was the producer, was also my friend. We all were represented by the same agent and we all liked the material a lot and we all got along really well. So yeah, you have three more friends than me. You don't have to rub it in. No, <laughs> get in too many Twitter beefs. <laughs> but um, it, it was weird, you know, because the, the script was amazing. And the long version of it, I think I have one. I know Dan has it. You know, it's it's really amazing. And it has more murders in it and all sorts of stuff. I've read it 30, 35 years, but I probably should because uh, I'm, I'm sure it has some amazing scenes in it. And, and I just said to him, I said, Dan, we're, gonna, we're not going to have a lot of money to make this movie with. So uh, we had to figure out how to cut it down and, and bring it down to length. And he did. He, Dan's very, he's amazing. He's, he's one of the best editors of his own work that I've ever known. Uh, and he, his notes on the cuts when we were making the film, they were, they were incredible. I mean, usually writers are like, why did you cut out this line? And, I worked so hard to make that scene work and you fucked it up. And so I wanted it in the movie anyway, so people can see how well written it was. And Dan would just say, yeah, you're right. That doesn't work. We don't need it. And he would come up with uh, clever stuff all the way down to the end of the film. I, I think that um, I can't tell you enough how great that guy was for this film and how great he is as a writer. He's also, you should talk to him. He's the funniest person you're ever going to talk to. I mean, hook it up. It's honestly a hilarious movie. Like, for a movie about, you know, murder and suicide, essentially, that, like, ends with a plot to essentially, like, genocide a whole school and spark a, an entire nationwide movement of mass suicide, which is hilarious that it's the 80s. Like, the only, like I feel like, you know, like, being like, you know, this is, this is the 80s version of Woodstock. Yes, that is the 80s version of Woodstock. <laughs> Getting a, a school to blow up is the 80s version of Woodstock, 100%. But anyway, um, no, it, it just But to have like, all that and have it be deeply funny, too. Yeah, that's and, and you never feel you never feel like it's, uh, I mean, you never feel like it's gross, I guess, right? Like, you never feel like it's overly violent or, like, I, I think that you can fall really easily into the dark comedy pattern that uh, a lot of dark comedies have where you go out of your way to, like, see, like, all right, what's the most over-the-top kind of gross thing that I can do here? and um, create like a morbid picture in somebody's mind. I never felt like that watching it uh, at all. Yeah, I mean, sh shock value is great. I'm all in favor of it, but it only gets you so far. And and yeah. if all you're doing is shock value you know, humor, shock value horror, it uh, it wears out. And the th one of the things that's great about this film and what's great about the script is that Dan got inside the heads of those kind of characters. So he didn't really, he didn't speak down to the characters. He, he pretty much portrayed them as they were and it, it was not a hateful movie in terms of how it approached all the, yeah. all the characters you know that's interesting you say that because there is kind of a deep humanity to it despite it being 
<laughs> like incredibly <laughs> violent and you know discordant to society. Even even Christian Slater is like even JD the, that character has like a human like a human side to him. Like you get to you you realize that like number one his dad's a psychopath. His mom committed suicide. Right. You know by walking into the Maybe. building he was blowing up. There's too many uh, explosives, which kind of um, precedes I think the like the mass shooting crisis almost right like kids whose parents uh, are like amophiles, like people that are like oh my god I love guns so much. They end up, you know, doing something with guns or shooting up a school or something because it's around them so much, that level of violence. So there's a humanity to it that isn't just mean and uh, like, oh, this person's just a psychopath because they're a psychopath. You, you realize, like, no, this person's been through a lot of shit. They're still a psychopath, but they've been through yeah, enough No, stuff. I mean, this person's a psychopath because their parents were psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> and because, because they live in a psychopathic society. It's and, a family business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Oh, go, Christina. Sorry. Oh, did we? Uh, did you guys ever have your own like JD in school? Like, because I had a few of them, and yeah, <laughs> not, no one, definitely later. not JD. <laughs> my, our JD was not nearly so cool or relatable. Yeah, not so cool or so hot and so but, charming. And I'm over here like, okay, you guys want to fantasize about shooting up to school? Leave me the hell out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that is a relatable thing. I mean, I, I, it's a crazy thing to say. I understand, but like. High school, it, if you're not one of the privileged few, high school is tough and it is cruel and it is, it is often unfair and you get these like Lord of the Flies style little fiefdoms that pop up. And what astounds me is how much that's now something that people sort of recognize now. But I've seen movies that like very clearly as I go, yeah, you saw Heathers, huh? Okay, cool. Because mm -hmm. this is the first time I, I can I, think of where it was put this way. I, I had a friend, I never thought he was going to shoot up to school. But uh, I, had a, I had a friend that reminded me a little bit of that kind of character. Like, he was definitely, like, too, had been through more than he should have at the age he was at. Yeah. Um, his his family was all from Israel. Like, he went back and forth to Israel all the time. He had, like, a, a brass knuckles, like, here all the time, a knife in school so that he could, like, you know, use it on somebody if, if he needed to. His parents owned uh, a, a duplex of buildings. They were landlords. Now he works as whatever. So th there was just so much about this kid that, like, as an adult, like I ended up not being friends with him like I think last year or something because I was like, this is not a person that like lines up with any of my values in any way. And yeah. so I just kind of ghosted a, like a, a 10 year friendship with, with them. But it's like, I, you know, I, I've always, I always felt like there was something um, dangerous. He also had bipolar. It, it felt like there was, there was something dangerous enough that uh, I think that it was like, no, I could see him getting upset and like maybe like, going too far and like stabbing someone acting, in the school. Acting out. Yeah. I, yeah. I went to college with a uh, JD. Uh, he um, ended up becoming a New York City cop. But before that, he got a kitten and named it Damage so he could ask it, what's your damage? <laughs> <laughs> now he just walks up to cars. And he like, you know, he's, uh, he's black people in a car and he asks them that. And, you know, New York City cops, what are you going to do? <laughs> How, how did I know I keep saying I'm mean, gonna give room for everyone else to talk and I keep talking, <laughs> but uh, how there's so many great like lines like the what's your damage line, right? Which, which is which is so astounding, you know. Uh, the the chainsaw line is another one I'm thinking of where it's just like, what, yeah. like, where did and it's delivered so authoritatively and perfect, like, oh, yeah, of course, there that's a that's a thing that that person says. Uh, did it did most of that come naturally with people just understanding like the flow of the script and how the characters interact with each other or was there any that kind of felt a little like uh that didn't work uh 
You, uh, you know, the the actors were very on board for everything. They they really they really kind of got what this what the script was. And I told them always, don't we're, we don't have to burlesque anything. You don't have to make comedy yeah. out of anything. Just say the lines as that's how you talk. That's the language you use all the time. Once you start to sort of be self-conscious about using that kind of language, it'll never work. I said the humor is never going to work if you don't. My, I, I, I love the way, um, you know, fuck me gently with the chainsaw is Amazing. delivered just as, as if she says that three times a week. But, you know, the other one that, that always sticks in my head is when, when Shannon Doherty says, why are you pulling my dick, Veronica? And, <laughs> you know, Astound, like astounding and still got I, me like, to laugh, even though I knew it was right. coming. Right. And I, and I couldn't believe it. I remember we were shooting and said, she fucking said it just like, that's what you say. And yeah. it was perfect. And, um, and I don't know if Shannon had any concept of what that was, you, you know? Um, right. Because <laughs> I hear she, so Shannon young. wouldn't curse in the movie, right? Pardon me? I, I heard Shannon wouldn't curse uh, in the film. And maybe so. You know, she came from an odd family. She was, they were, they were religious and, you know, she had been on very wholesome television shows and, um, she was a more experienced actor than most of the kids, even though she was so young and she lorded that over everybody. But, uh, you know, she did, she did everything that was in the script. She, she never, there were a couple times when she resisted me on a few things and I just said, she lorded oh, over everyone or was she method acting? <laughs> Uh, she may have been yeah, yeah. Well, she I mean, and I, again, I think one of the reasons why it works so well is because everybody's very serious about what they're doing. They're they're playing it very straight. Like they're not winking and nodding and pulling a Sharknado or whatnot, right? Right. And right. then it's it's a situation. The absurdity of the situation gets to play out in a different way because of that. Right. Right. And that was it. Was pretty easy to tell the actors that that's what they should be doing. It wasn't always natural for them to do it that way, but but you know they kind of fell into it, and Winona helped, and Christian helped. They you know they sort of led the way on that. Um, I remember feeling that I had to do less specific work on the lines with the actors than I would have expected. I, I love the character of the uh, like the accommodating hippie teacher who like organized. Yeah. It, where it says, <laughs> It's like, no, don't be accommodating for this. That's not a thing you should be accommodating for. <laughs> like, it's yeah, so most, amazing. One of the most incredible lines in the entire uh, in the entire movie is when she's like, whether or not to commit suicide is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make. And it's like, holy shit. So good. <laughs> she's so, she's so serious. She's so serious when she says it. And she's so, like, uh, like pseudo-concerned. And you can tell that she just wants like the viral attention. I guess I mean you know pre the idea of I guess going viral, but like the TV attention, which they had all the time, like a uh, uh, shock treatment. You know the by the same um, director and like Richard O'Brien that did uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show has a similar thing where they have like the sanitized mental health campaign or whatever where they brainwash the entire town. Like in the eighties, definitely like there were those big uh, those big pageanted um, like public service campaigns that you can really really take into like a almost dystopic like a dystopic, uh, vapid, and um, I think, like, just self-serving, I think, uh, like, like story arc. And I, I loved that one where, you know, all of a sudden, like, she's right in front of the cameras. Everybody's right in front of the cameras. They're like, yeah, she was great. Um, I don't think I'll ever be the same, you know? Seeing her commit suicide or, you know, hearing about, like, my friend committing suicide. And it's, like, clear that everyone in this movie kind of despises each other and just sees it as a way to, like, move up the ladder. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's a very uh, contemporary point of view about the world. Um, the uh, actress who played the teacher, Penelope Milford, she's really good. She'd done some great work. She was in the movie Coming Home. Remember that movie, Coming Home? Coming Home, yeah. Yeah, yeah she yeah, had a big role in that. And um, we were very happy that she... Did she, like, did she like got nominated for the Academy yeah. for that, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a great actress. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Michael, do you remember the assistant prop master? Apparently, that's uh, uh, Stevie's got a connection there. Okay, I, I may I, remember that person. <laughs> the they were the ones that had the, all the bombs that they had to set up. You know, right? Exactly. Well, a lot of bomb wars. Yeah. In case the school blew up. <laughs> It was there at Stunt Finger in, in that one scene where Christian Slater got his finger blown off. <laughs> yeah, that was finger. that wasn't just a stunt finger. It was a, I believe it was a pneumatic stunt finger that was blown really? off with air. Yes, so that it could be on and then boom, gone. Yeah, because that looked great. I mean, like, like I love good practical effects, and and that one, like I saw that and I'm like, oh, I gotta rewind because that 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 still holds up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that definitely wouldn't have worked uh, any course. earlier. That definitely would not have worked any earlier in the movie than it was. Like no. the fact that it happens during an already absurd climax uh, and, and like a showdown, and the finger just pops right off. Like it works in that spot. If that had been earlier in the movie, I think it would have been like, all right, like he's lost his middle finger. Like, but like yeah. the fact that it's just in this fight when it's finally when it's yeah. finally like the two of them having this fucking showdown. The one like I mean, he gets shot a bunch of times, but like the one seriously graphic version of it. It's just a finger popping off. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's earned. It's earned. You know, it's earned, and it happens late. Um, you know, the stunt coordinator for Heather's went on to become the second unit director on a bunch of James Bond movies. Oh, he became, oh, really? like, the best in the world at doing big action. So, you know, we helped him hone his craft in the early, early stage. Dan, Dan Bradley's his name. Well, James Bond is really what happens. James Bond is really what happens when you manage to make it through the school don't blow it up. And then I'm like, what am I going to do for my career? And it's like, oh, wait, I can just shoot people, you know. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Be a double O agent. Great. Yeah, yeah you're with a lot. Awesome. Uh, wait, you mean I could have done this, like, legally if I needed, like, if I just waited a few years. <laughs> I feel like I believe that's Heather, what Spectre was about. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Uh, I think uh, the Heather McNamara and Heather Chandler characters are also uh, perfect and, and very well casted. Now, had either of them, uh, Kim or, and Lizanne, had they, had they act? I think Lizanne was, um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. She had been like a, a model, I think, before. Yeah, right. yeah, she was a model. And she came in and read. No. Yeah, and when, when, she, <laughs> when she came in, Dan Waters said, oh, my God, it's Lizanne Falk. Lizanne Falk, you know who she is? And I said, no. And he said, I've got her book at home. She had written a book like Diary of a Young Model. She had been That's a right. Model. Yeah. And yeah. So Dan was really into, into her and loved the fact that she was coming in to read. And her reading was, of course, brilliant. She's fantastic. And, um, and she got the role. Kim Walker had not done very much at all. We, we, so I've told this story a million times. I don't think I need to do it again. But I wanted Heather um, Graham to play Heather Chandler. Oh, wow. She, she okay, was young too. She did Drugstore yeah. Cowboy. She did Drugstore Cowboy after that. Um, so she had been in a movie called License to Drive. Um, License to Drive? Yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, of course. I forgot about that movie. Yes. <laughs> one, thing I don't, one thing I don't have. <laughs> You're not alone, Forrest. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, I do, for the record. You know, Heather Graham came in and read for us, and her reading was just incredible. It was amazing. It was like everybody in the room, we all went, well, that girl has to play Heather Chandler. She just knocked it out of the park. It turns out she came from a very conservative family in Orange County. Her father was an FBI agent and her mother was a school teacher and a, a very conservative school teacher. And she was under 18 as you know, I wanted all, all the actors to be under 18. She was 17. And um, <laughs> so um, it's a pass, she, Stevie. <laughs> I, you know, we probably were, we probably had to consider the Corys for the JD. Yeah, I mean, they I'm were, sure, it was, sure they were on the list. I think that was law, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, like a federal law. It was the law of movies. Yeah, actually. Right. Yeah, At that know. time. Oh, you're you're right, you would have had to make the movie Corys, though, instead of, uh, instead of, instead of Heather's. And it would have had to have, <laughs> you know, three different Corys. Yes, all about guys. They got to bring Kubrick back in at that point. It'd be too long. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, anyway, um, I couldn't convince Heather Graham's mother to let her do the movie. I tried. I spent a lot of time on the phone with her. And I really said, you know, this isn't what you think it is. Um, you know, she said that language, my daughter's not going to say that language. And so she wouldn't allow Heather Graham to do the part. And uh, Kim Walker came in and read. Kim was, at that point, uh, Christian's girlfriend. And we were getting close to shooting and we'd read a lot of people for the part and didn't have the perfect person. Um, and I remember the casting director saying, you're going to read Christian's girlfriend. Her name is Kim Walker. She's very good. She hasn't done a whole lot of stuff. And she came in and her reading was terrific. And I said, great, we're good. And, yeah, she, and she, she her career kind of took off after that. And then sadly, she passed away very shortly. Uh, yeah. Brain tumor in, in actual yes. fact. Yeah. So, um, yeah, which, which I can't remember who said the line about the brain tumor, but, uh, uh she did, she did. Yes, that's yeah. right. Cause it's just ironic that, that, uh, she said, would you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. That line didn't so, age well. Not, not for her. Yeah. Not for her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, but, uh, she was very talented and she was a, a sweetheart. She was fun to work with and, you know, uh, I, I remember what I remember most about her, which was funny, is that she was um, she was a beautiful girl. She had a lot of presence. She had a lot of talent, but she was very humble and kind of nervous. You know, the, the thing I had to work on with her most was getting her to be a little bit less nervous. And uh, once she once she calmed down, she was a firecracker. Now, uh, Michael, we have a, a thing on this show where. Bobby, Bobby Wigand, we a lot of her clips have ended up on the internet, and we've inadvertently a lot of, a lot of her, her clips. Uh, I, I I have it, but a lot of a lot of her clips have uh, ended up on the internet because she decided to um, uh, trauma dump her entire uh, just archive, archive. everything, put, yeah, put it all like, up, and, and forty years of which is amazing interviews, and a lot of them are uncut. It's just like the tape from whatever interview it is. So like she or whoever somebody runs her like archive or whatever like I'm assuming it's a family member or something because she's like in her 90s now, but um she includes like at the end of it a lot of times which you know they're like they're usually like 10 minute interviews but we have one with you. Um, so this is the first, what I was trying to get as this is the first yeah. time we've had somebody who's actually been on her show, but we oh we've we brought up her clips many times because they're deeply entertaining on multiple levels. Not and and she is a friend of a friend of the show. Right. Yeah, now she is. <laughs> well, no, no, Gabriel Horn. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he yeah, knows yeah. her. Well, he's an actor, so yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, from Texas. So, you know, makes sense. We, we grew makes up sense. watching her stuff. Uh, so I think we, Forrest, I think we have a, a clip to play. Just yeah, waiting for an app. Wait for it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, she's, I, and we, we love her. Uh, we love her presence, even when she veers into the public access TV show I know uh, that. character in pub, Parks and Recreation. That's <laughs> 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 the best way I can say that. But here's, here's you, Michael, talking to Bobby about airheads. Okay. Let's check this out. I know about those coffee cups that move from one side of the table <laughs> magically. Uh, well, Michael Lehman, good morning. Good morning. It's nice to be talking with you here in New York City. We've never met before, but I certainly know you from your work. Now I, I guess the audio on this one isn't really that loud. And uh, you know, when I first saw that title, I thought, I don't know if I would want to be in a movie called Airheads. It, and of course, if you were you going to cast Bobby movie? The, the true meaning of airheads. Right. But uh, was that a difficult title for you in the beginning? Absolutely. It's a very good question. It was a very difficult title. I remember when it was sent to me, it said airheads on the front. I thought, I don't want to make a movie called airheads. It sounds dumb. And I read the script and, and I thought, well, the title is dumber than the movie. That's for sure. Because for all the kind of silly elements of the comedy, it's not a dumb movie, it's a smart movie. And and to call the characters, the three guys who are in, in the center of this movie, airheads, it, it's okay, they're not very smart. But um, I like the title because it's a pun. They're metalheads who get on the air. That I'm fine with. I'm even fine with the idea that they're dumb metalheads who get on the air, so the airheads is appropriate. But we started um, asking people about the title when we finished the movie, and they said, oh, airheads, it's about... Uh, Dumb girls in South California, and I said, "Well, yeah. not exactly." So at one point, I looked into alternate titles. And the funny thing is, it's very hard to title a movie. It's very hard to title a movie in a clever way. And all along, I one hundred percent was somehow that we stuck with it because we we shot the movie with that title. We decided, "What the hell? We'll see what this, of course, is uh, the story of a rock group trying to get their demo on the air and start building a career. Is there any particular group that might be a parallel to the Lone Rangers? Not really. Um, when I think when we set out, we looked at a group of musicians in L.A. that you see on Sunset Boulevard. I just realized you could put the ones in the successful and guys like Guns N' Roses. In a way, the classic <laughs> band of guys who came to L.A. to make it in the movie business guys who now came I'm to reading. LA to make it in the music business and really were kind of normal. I think they were Midwestern, Midwestern kids and they fell into the scene and they hit a huge. All of these guys on the strip there want to hit a huge like, like bands like Guns N' Roses. And, um, but we didn't pattern the particular characters of the musicians after any specific group. No. If you had to give Michael a thumbnail sketch of the three main characters of the Lone Rangers, how would you define them? All right, so that's well, what the, uh, okay, the yeah, she, she, she goes, she, she, she goes on for a bit. Uh, I, I've seen this, but I was wondering if you were going to pull this one because it is the first time we've had somebody that's actually been on this show on this show, and we pulled a lot of her clips. Uh, I, by the way, I one of the reasons I things I love about Bobby, like how she she starts us off being like, I wouldn't want to be in a movie called Airheads. Okay. <laughs> I mean, did you try out? Like, what? I mean, like, <laughs> you, it was really going to be naked pictures of her and not uh, B. Arthur in the movie. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> doing those interviews are weird because you know they're done in press junkets. So you're going yeah. from room to room to room, boom, boom, or you're boom, sitting boom. in that chair and a bunch of people are coming in and yeah. it's fine for a, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, this is good. I could do this for all you get into it. You're doing it for four hours and you're getting all these crazy questions. And, and I'm, I'm not the same, I'm not the most same questions. Person. Well, and, I, like, I like that she asks, she asks different questions because sometimes the things <laughs> she says are so insane. Yeah. Sometimes she's very inappropriate with uh, some of the male guests that are on the handsome side. Let's go ahead and say. So maybe you got off lucky there, Michael. Yeah, we yeah, got off lucky. We were now with Judd Nelson when uh, we were watching the and the way he's and the way Judd is talking, he's like, "Well, I don't consider myself this way." However, and I'm like, "Why do you sound like that?" <laughs> no, my my favorite thing is just because uh, the this, the one that the Judd Nelson one, she uh, recorded her answers separately. So I had to take it, clip it in Premiere. A lot of these, actually, if you kept playing that one, you probably would get her questions and uh, on the other side yeah. with like well, better there. audio. People can do that yeah. in their own time. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're not going to do that. We got a show to run here. Um, <laughs> so, so no, but she was like, uh, so your character in this movie is a little bit of a punk. And this one's a, a nerd. Would you say that? Would you say your, your character is a nerd? And it was like the most like old yeah. like old woman talking to like 25-year-old guy. Like, <laughs> oh. it, it, like I know, I know, I know high school. I remember high school. It was, you know, 1936, but. Yeah. <laughs> and her talking about uh, aliens, uh, alien and how violent it was. Like, I, gore. that's what I was going to bring up. I was like, I love her, her session with alien. It's, it's, a, it's yeah, yeah. She's, she's like, got freaking, uh, you know, the director right there. It's just like, I think it's a little too violent. I, you think it's a little too gory? <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, "What? What do you mean, too gory? No, like, like, and then like, he's definitely like puts him on like, on his on his heels immediately, and it's that's not a dude you don't, don't want to do that with either." I also uh, like the uh, I also like the weirdly horny one where her and Kevin Spacey are drinking tea out of tiny cups. <laughs> Where's that prestige television series? That's all I got to say about it. Um, yeah, and the fact that you know, uh, in the battle between aliens versus predator, she is on Team Predator. Because she she was like hitting on everybody she could from that movie. <laughs> but, uh, but Michael, we have a we have a second bit that we've never gotten to do with someone who's actually directed. We we got it to do with people that worked on movies, but we've never gotten to do letterbox one liners with someone who actually directed the movie. We uh, had uh, Katie Byron on a few weeks ago, who did who uh, was the produ production designer for. Uh, for book smart and we when we read these letter book smart she's done like come on come on the new Livia wild movie that's coming out she did that one uh oh, yeah. he's worked on a ton of stuff uh, katie said but we've never actually had the we had uh, kira rossler whose whose sound team won a, a freaking oscar for mad max which is yeah those that was three uh right. three one-liners yeah uh, you're right we didn't have the bit then yeah so yeah yeah and it was a year ago today well, there you go <laughs> I don't know what that's. But, uh, so, yes, yeah, so we, we have this bit. Conan uh, pulls up the pulls up like the, the best one-liners that don't get enough attention. On I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Letterboxd, but Conan will explain it. Because yeah, I usually intro the bit too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right now, he does a much uh, better job than Forrest. <laughs> 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 so, of course, Michael uh, Letterboxd is a social media site for film for film lovers to talk. At with and to each other about the films that they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, keep track of stuff they want to watch, stuff that they did watch. And everybody gets to have their say, not just Siskels and Eberts, it's a bottom up democracy. Everybody gets to chime in. And of course, that is uh, best expressed in the classic working in your tight five in front of the brick wall at the comedy store. Uh, 
one-liner format. Uh, so these are the letterbox one-liners for Heathers. Forrest, let's go. Veronica's handwriting is cause for concern. <laughs> <laughs> so big. Uh, it's very, I mean, it's very there's said, a lot of motion. There's a lot of motion. I, I, I do I do actually really love though when he's like, you recognize this handwriting? And in my head, I'm like, no, is that I'm, I'm presuming <laughs> right like, I mean, I get what the thing like. I get what the thing is doing, and it made sense. But it's like, who's like? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I assume it's hers. <laughs> yes, it's hers. <laughs> Pretty great. Christian Slater saying, "We live in a society." Shortly before blowing stuff up, and Winona Ryder lighting up a cigarette off the blast, one of the hardest scenes in cinema. Change my mind. <laughs> I can't. That's I, just I agree. I, no, totally. One of the hardest. I like. Uh, I like. I like the idea of like society, the spectacle, but they're like you know, society is a spectacle, and then it's like society is also a school. You know, the school is. Society. <laughs> Missed the deep. point of idolizing the starter pack. Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Christina. Needs to be oh, I, I, uh, I only idolized him because he reminded me of Guy Debord. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't broken up with their homicidal boyfriend only until after he shoots the TV? <laughs> That's pretty good sign. Off. Pretty good yeah. sign that maybe it's time to break it off. Straight up Jack Nicholson kind of moment too. The, like the yeah. flipping, on, flipping on a dime where he's like, yeah, the song's great. Then just shoots the TV out. Exactly. Elvis Presley. Oh, Elvis. Ah, yeah, there you go, Jinx. <laughs> Winona Ryder and her fucking monocle kills me every time. <laughs> Agreed. That monocle is the business. Was yeah. that? Was that? Uh, where, where did that come from, Michael? Was that? Uh, that was, was in the script, and that was in the script, and it was. Dan always said, and I always got a huge kick about that out of this is that uh, Veronica was the Albert Speer of her high school. So Albert Speer was, of course, Hitler's architect and his armaments minister, and Albert Speer claimed he was just sort of a hanger-on. But he rose very high in the, you know, he was high in the Nazi hierarchy. And so he tried to redeem himself and kind of make excuses for all the stuff that he did. And uh, but he then became known as the as the real insider chronicler of the Hitler, you know, the, the Hitler regime. So he was so, the Arthur Schlesinger of the Hitler regime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um we, we gave her a monocle because it was so German, you know, it was so German pre yeah, yeah. 1930s German. Somebody, somebody clipped this and sent it to Savannah Oaks. Look what she uh, has Roth with this. It's great. <laughs> Love that. Winona, beautiful. Me, gay. My dead gay son, loved. <laughs> it's, another, it's another, that's another amazing lie where he's like, I love my dead gay son. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, we, I remember when we shot that scene, um, Winona couldn't stop laughing. None of us could stop laughing. That, that was so funny in context. And we all, you know, we knew what was coming. We had done it in rehearsals, but we could not stop laughing because he and, was and, it, so and it ages well because of the Christian Slater line afterwards when he's like, if, if you know, if he was alive, yeah, would you have if he was alive? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Badlands means mean girls. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, the mean girls came afterwards, to be clear. Yeah, yeah. so it would have, it would have <laughs> met a very young mean girls. Right. But I, I 
Badlands is one of my favorite movies. And I read that. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can I see I don't know. It. Mean yeah. Girls, the uh, kindergarten year, it's certainly a uh, film to watch. I was going to say Mean Toddlers. <laughs> mean, mean Tots. <laughs> that's my favorite Malik, too, Badlands. That's a, that's a great film. <laughs> that is a very good movie. Yeah. To all my depressed bitches out there who are attached to JD, I call Shotgun on our way to therapy. Christina. Oh. <laughs> yeah. this is christina oaks no no <laughs> i didn't mean, notice I mean, that until now all all the girls are, are attracted to vecna from uh fucking stranger things so yeah oh, we are all going to therapy so much yeah, netflix with that posting. so much netflix there like, what's up with my teeth and men oh i now know yeah some murderous creatures from another world no big deal Quentin Tarantino cries himself to sleep every night knowing that he will never write a better piece of dialogue than my teenage angst has a body count. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not crying. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> on his big pile of money. He's crying himself yeah, to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. He's doing fine. <laughs> he's doing all right. Also, he's uh, good. also uh, Courtney loves motto. <sighs> my teenage angst has a body count. <laughs> Woof. Oh. <laughs> okay, give me a second after that one. Smart oh. movies don't exist anymore because Heather's took all the best lines. Oh. True. That's why Joss uh, Whedon was like, you know, copying uh lines from this and putting in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's true. Yeah, there was a whole generation of writers who just, you know, couldn't believe that Dan had used up all their best possible lines <laughs> way ahead of time. <laughs> this Dan guy, where did he he took them all? Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, what did he how did he do that? The well is dry, people. Mall rats definitely stole lines from that uh, because Shannon Dowdy was in it. Like, uh, I forgot about that. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there there were some great lines in the script that got shot and never made it into the movie, and there were some great lines in that really long script. So, I remember, and I've told this story before, but I was talking to Dan one day, and I and I made a reference to stained with loserness. And which was one of the best lines in, you know, in the movie it was like, you know, you're Veronica, you're, you're, you'll be stained with loserness. And I always loved that line. And then uh, and I turned to him and I was like, uh, that's in the, that's still in the movie. Right. And he said, no, you cut it out. <laughs> we, we took it out of the, I think the lunchtime poll scene. So uh, rejected, rejected yeah. uh, Beck song, song titles. I was gonna say I've actually used that line uh, towards other bands, which I which I will not uh, I will not name, of course, because I'm ah. gentlemanly. But I've used that. Would they happen to have the same name as the band and uh, uh, Ghost World? <laughs> they definitely have a blues hammerness to them. Yeah. My uh, uh, my my version, is, my version of it is Teenage Suicide. Please do it. Suicide <laughs> Squad. <laughs> Speaking of guys in bands, this is my friend uh, James from uh, Seminars and Police Teeth. Mineral Water is dope as hell, actually. And you know what? Yeah, that's yeah, another James. that's another great moment. In that. <laughs> mineral yeah, Water. The cop yeah. pulls out the mineral water. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was supposed to be Perrier, but they would not allow us to use Perrier. And, oh my uh, God, my Uma drinks Perrier. <laughs> so we supposed was... to hold up a bottle of Perrier and go, you know, look at this. That was shorthanded that time amongst uh -huh. certain close-minded people for a certain uh, type it's of person. Yeah. Those are the. You know, you know, 
<laughs> okay, we're, de we're definitely not going to be safe for Pride Month next year now. Uh, those are the Letterbox one-liners for Heathers. Of course, Letterbox is a place for film. Please follow the show on Letterbox Movement Extravaganza. That's Forrest over there. Uh, Staking out a claim for the for the non for the non woke agenda, apparently. Uh, I of course am going to Neutron all over that business. Uh, please follow me there as well. J. Andrew World's watching all the weird non wordplay movies that nobody knew existed. Uh, he's on there, of course. I'm Christina. Christina Oaks down there. She handles all your Johnny Depp related content almost exclusively. Uh, cool. And of course, as always, Andrew World. Please take both plugs. All right. You're watching us right now on YouTube. Do the YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And uh, the big ask is watch the video to the end uh, because you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song. And uh, you also help us get discovered by other movie fans out there. Which is always nice. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, follow us on Twitter. We have a Twitter um, uh, movie night extra. And uh, we also happen to have a Twitter community. So if you want to keep talking to us about movies or just, you know, movies, not even the movies we're watching, like, like just movies, you know, um, join us over there. And, and uh, we have polls occasionally, uh, if I remember to do them. Uh, <laughs> it's quite the endorsement. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I need to get better at this. Yeah, when but, I remember it exists. Then, uh, yes, when I remember. <laughs> I, 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 for like 10 to 15 minutes, so fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes, we, we have polls. Um, at some point, we might even bring them into the show uh, when we have actually, you know, like more than just uh, us. Depends. You're know. going to write them down ahead of time or are we just yeah. going to go free one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. We have a Patreon. Uh, with the Patreon, not only does that help us, but you have access to all of our after parties, which is our post, uh, post episode uh, episodes where we really let our hair down. And if you think it's crazy now, just wait till we get to the after party. <laughs> if, you, if you're too worried about how we stayed on topic, don't worry. After party forever. <laughs> we never get it. Oh. Someday we'll do. I'll swear we, we will. Yes. Yeah. Um, Kona Neutron. Yes. You have, you have protonic reversal this week. I don't. You don't. We're playing in Louisville. No, no. We're, uh, uh, we're, there'll be a protonic next week with Toshi Kasai, uh, legendary producer and yes. musician. Uh, just. Watch, watch an archive. I, I got tour stuff I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. There, there's some great stuff in the archive. Like uh, you can, you can see King Buzzo. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great pull from the archive <laughs> right there. Um, you also have uh, dangerous nomenclature on vinyl. Yes, freaking finally. So uh, I think I think Louisville, Kentucky, uh, PRF crowd is going to be the first ones to be able to to buy that. But yeah. If you some people don't like buying pre-orders, buy it now if you uh, are someone that wants it to ship immediately. So that exactly. is the latest I, uh, record. It's a Squiddy P. I have and, a, and? I have a, um, I have a petition that's out right now to get Big Fun to come on to uh, you know to come on to the Universal. <laughs> Please, uh, you know, decide, don't read it. Don't read it. Don't read my petition. Just sign it. And, Just sign uh, it. <laughs> then reveal it later. <laughs> But real talk though, I, they're making this Spinal Tap sequel, and they're gonna and they're like doing a bunch of stuff in character. Like I low key really would be like, look, all I could say is at one point Michael McCain and I were following each other, and it would be nice. I like, I, nice. I, I like his like I like his live tweets. He just has like he's like every once in a while he just say some like 
was roast Donald Trump mm-hmm. and then get off Twitter and I'm like for another month or something. And I'm like, yeah, not read any replies, <laughs> which is which is the way to do it, really. Yes, that's yes. why that's why you're doing it wrong for us. But he's hey. like, yes. he's, yeah. he's like, you know what? Trump's Trump's gonna go to jail, and then he just gets on Twitter for the next week. <laughs> yes, kind of a but pro like, move, actually. You, you know, you know what though? Uh, what what uh, is also a really pro move is to get to Action Chief there and the album Just the Solos. You got it. I wrote it down. You got it. Thank I you. I wrote it down. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. See? See, that's the, the one he was struggling with, Michael. He's been struggling with that for like two months. Like, I, and I was like, just it's like three words. But anyway, yeah, all the solos included. <laughs> it's longer than the record. <laughs> yes. And uh, you have uh, some tour dates coming up. Got a lot of them. Yeah, I'm not yes. gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna announce them all because we're not. Be no, but, but just mention a couple that are coming up. Uh, yeah. So West Coast of McCluskey, uh, Oakland, Portland, Seattle. Um, actually, I can probably do this real quick. We can do. Uh, we're in Las Vegas, uh, Anaheim, uh, Eugene. Um, I'm, I'm missing one in there. Uh, Missoula, Montana, um, Wyoming, Denver. Like it's all on NeutronFriendsBandcamp.com. All the normal places you find your tour dates and whatever. But yeah, that's that's why I've been uh, kind of scatterbrained lately because I'm doing that. So if you want to see some rocking, oh, also playing Louisville this weekend. That is yes. why there was no live Protonic on Thursday. Louisville, yes. Kentucky. Yes. And, and uh, when he gets back into doing uh, Protonic, if you join mm-hmm. uh, Conan's Patreon, you can get the uh, episodes early. There's some cool. And it's stuff only there. a dollar. Yes. Exactly. A dollar. Yeah. It's, Ber- it's Bernie so. Sanders prices. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, yes. I believe that you should get Protonic reversal. Right now, online, right? If you go to patreon.com, Protonic Reversal, for a dollar, it's the kind of things you could buy a house for when I was younger, that we should we should, we should, should bring it back. Uh, you know, my 2024 platform is that one dollar for all podcasts, especially- like 305 of them, too. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's good, <laughs> yeah, good value, good value. Absolutely, absolutely. Christina, you, you got your own show. Uh, anything coming up this week? Uh, well, we're going to be digging into like toxic femininity and femcell culture because apparently I am one because I listen oh. to Lana Del Rey. Okay. I thought it was going to say because you're on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, oh, I get it. I get it. Lana Del Rey, the show is a really a different to- toxic feminine. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's I guess I'll have to listen to find out what's up. Also, too, apparently, if you also enjoy Heather's, that's a thing, too. And I'm like, great, because it's, you know, idolizing suicide and blah, 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 apparently. So I'm like, oh. Well, that that sounds like something very interesting to to dig into. Yeah, so uh, idiots are saying some bullshit. Exactly. And, yes. and if you want to if you want to <laughs> see somebody idolizing suicide, uh, you know, movie night extra on Twitter or never <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna plug Christina's uh, Patreon for for suicide, but yeah. uh, no, um, <laughs> no, uh, but but uh, she does have a Patreon. Uh, yeah. Please support her because you know that's what helps keep her show going. Yeah, and it's, uh, I'm also got, I got a job lined up too, so that's killing my, my Twitch time. But oh well, I'm making money. And, and Michael, you have a great show which I haven't watched. I, I only know it's great because Conan keeps talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've rested like 20 times on this show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been, I've been, but to be to clear, Michael, it. he 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 just got like the three word album title down after like you know, like whatever. <laughs> well, you know shows. what happened? Uh, what's happened is I screwed up and I accidentally got Amazon Prime, so now I'm like trying to watch all the stuff I can on Amazon Prime before I cancel it, so, mm. so I don't have to pay for it. Um, it yeah. 
<laughs> so 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 after is I that when you found watching... the nun movie? I guess, sorry, I keep it around. No, no, <laughs> that's just um I literally like I said, I've curated my Twitter where like these things just find me now. Jeff Jeff Bezos is gonna like tweet at you now and be like, up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. <laughs> But but uh, anyways, um, yeah no. So I've been enjoying stuff on Amazon Prime. Um, ah, uh, yeah. Such as next extravaganza brought to you by Amazon Prime. Apparently, so Heather's is on there right now. So so you know it is. That, yeah, that's how, that's how, okay. that's how yeah. If anybody, it. if anybody, uh, if anybody remembers this, you're not. Nobody's gonna remember this. But if anybody remembers this, uh, I have like four days, and then I have to remember on Amazon Prime to cancel. I got AMC Plus, so I could finish uh, Better Call Saul and then watch the first seven episodes of the new season. <laughs> Did you thing. say AOC plus? I thought you said <laughs> no. AOC. AM, AMC plus. AMC yeah, that's like, what it is. Yeah, you said AOC, AOC plus. AOC plus. <laughs> this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's <laughs> premium streaming network, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it's right up there with the... No, with a, the, a, a, the a, a, AOC plus, uh, you know, force the vote uh, plus, you know? Yeah. But, but anyways, as I was uh, saying, uh, the name of the show is... Hell yeah. Uh, nice. Right. Thank you, Stevie. Is this sending us money? You didn't have a question? <laughs> I'm into yeah. it. Let's go. But but I will plug the show while, while Stevie comes up with a question if he has one. Hey, we'll split uh, it five ways, Michael. We'll give you a buck. <laughs> <laughs> all all the Heathers grew up to be Karen. Hey, it's probably more uh, than you'll yeah. get on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Bada boom! Got him. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, except yeah, and the only Heather that is in the Heather is Veronica, so she did not grow up to be yes. Karen. Andy, can, can I say the name the of the one... show yet? Because yeah, it's yeah. long. You should, yeah, please do it. it's longer it than the, uh, the, the 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 plugs here. Um, but it's the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. And it's great. You got it right. Really good. Poetic. Yeah, I wrote it down, so I, I did nail it. Yeah, you guys should all watch it. It's it's yeah. highly I've, recommended. I've read, I've, just... Not just from Conan. I've, I've read like good things about it. From uh, it was it was like a parody of a different show originally that was on. Uh, Netflix, right? Uh, or, not, not exactly. It was, it was a, it was a mock female suspense thriller that took the patterns of basically every, almost every single movie in that genre or show in that genre, and played it so straight, but it's no longer being played straight anymore. And that's it's, what I love about it because yeah. those, those, those types of shows and movies, not by my design, are constantly playing in our home. And and I was like, this is amazing because it's doing all of those things, but it's clear like you get to see it in its totality. It's a beautiful show. It's right. It does, it's, yeah. No, go it, ahead. It doesn't. It doesn't actually parody anything so much as it follows the script of these things so precisely that it reveals all the absurdities and all the ironies and all the ridiculous elements, so that you can actually have fun watching it and not say, "I can't believe those people made." How stupid are they? Instead, you go, yeah. "Oh." Right, they've embraced the stupidity and they've gone for it. And uh, Kristen Bell, who's the star, she's amazing. Says, she's, she's, she's I'm such amazing. a man of hers. She and, and it's, so there's some really beautiful, poignant moments too. Like it's not just like farce. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's it's a well done show. And and uh, props because it's that's a, as, as someone with a. I mean, my band name is a sentence long. You know, it's Conan Neutron, <laughs> the Secret Friends. So I know how the the perils of doing something creatively with a long name but yes. props to andy because he managed to get it yes there you go thank you watch that show and i did actually have a question like like what is the big difference between directing a movie and directing a tv show is it's uh mm. you got 30 seconds no oh god <laughs> no, no well actually you put it on a timer yeah, yeah. 
I'll give it to you in 30. But it depends. If you're just directing an episode of television, it's very different than directing a movie. Because if you come in to direct an episode, the show is a lot of it's already in place. And you, you're coming in to do, you hope, a really great version of what they've already established. If you do a pilot, it's kind of like making a little short movie that has to have a life afterwards, which is complicated and creates a whole different set of problems. And if you're doing a limited series like we did for the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window, that was just like making a very long movie that was going to be broken up into small pieces. So, uh, you know, director's position on all these things depends on the show and on the producers and on the network and all this sort of thing. Sometimes you're relegated to being just the person who is supposed to do what the writers wanted or what the network wanted, which is not my favorite way to do it, but it, sometimes if the writers are great, it's fine. Um, and other times you're called on to be more creative and you know create something that has its own flavor and that's more fun. Yeah, and do you find that you get to work with the actors a little more on TV than you do in films in a certain way? Uh, it depends, you know, in actual fact, because you're doing a one-off in a film and you're creating the characters and you have, and that is it with them, you do work very, closely with them to, to make it happen and to help them make the right choices, that sort of thing. If you if you get on a TV show that's already had a pretty long life, you work with the actors, but only to make sure that they're not kind of losing their focus or doing something that doesn't really relate to what the scene is really about, but they know what their character is. Um, when you're doing a pilot or you're doing the first year of a television show, you work with the actors a lot. You know, you, you really kind of try to help them find the way to create a character that's gonna last. It's fun. It's a, look anything with actors. It's fun. No, I agree. <laughs> you've, done, you've done some cool shows too. I mean, there's a lot of you know. I'm not sure how well it's aged, but like I think Californication was a like fantastic yeah. show. Uh, I love that House of Lies episode you did. Like that's a really underrated show. Um, you know, there, there's 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 a ton, and they're not all just like genre television too. That's why I like about no, it. Yeah, no, yeah. Good things. Not there's anything wrong with genre television. I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying that I like that there's. There's a lot of different kinds of uh, kind of stuff there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and he also did Snowfall, which is one of my favorite shows. So, oh, that yeah, that's great show. Really great. That show really Nurse fun. Jackie, did you do? A, did you you did some Dexter episodes too? If I remember, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jessica Jones. I did Jessica Jones. These were all I fun to do. You know, like that show. Yeah. yeah. Was any? You don't have to name names. Have there been any shows that you were like, let's <laughs> just get through this. Don't name uh, names. There have been some. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes I do them because I have a friend who's doing it and I want to, you know, I like to work with my friends. And yeah. if the show isn't very good, but the people are nice, it's great. And sometimes I get into something and I think it's going to be one thing and it turns out to be something else. And then, you know, that's kind of like that. But, you know, you do your best. It's um, I, I enjoy my work. I like I like it a lot. So I always try to find a way to have a good time when I do it, even even if the situation is miserable, because it often Thanks. is. Andy, do you have um, any more plugs? Are we done with the plugs yet? Or what? I think we're done with the plugs. Uh, okay. I just said, uh, <laughs> since we're talking about a show, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Been, no, no. It's... You know, curious about that that question. because uh, Oh, Larry Sanders show. I wanted to ask you yeah. about that before you go. I've, I freaking love Larry Sanders show. Was that great show? Please tell me that was a great, yeah, that was a great experience. Right? Yeah, I watched yeah. that, that freaking incredible uh, um, Gary Shandling documentary. Um, the Judd Apatow thing, yeah. The Judd Apatow one, yeah. yeah. And it just reminded me how much I just adored that show. Like it, that was that show was very special. It was like nothing else, you know. Uh, Gary was a genius, and he was fun to work with. He was very tough on everybody and very exacting in how he did it. 
uh, the cast, you know, Janine was amazing and, and Bob Odenkirk was on that show and um, Rip Torn and, you, you know. Uh, what happened to that guy? Did he do anything after that? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever happened. Yeah. Uh, great character. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it was a really good group of people and amazing writers. You know, every, I, I did it over the course of a few years and, you know, the writers, they were always new ones coming in. They were really good. And the scripts were hilarious and uh you know you got a chance to work with uh, all sorts of crazy people i mean i i did an episode of that where elvis costello was the guest so i got yeah, to direct yeah. elvis costello and shoot his band doing a song you know that's like lifetime for me that was that was a big deal pretty cool spawned, yeah it, it, that, that show spawned legitimately the most insane genre of television that we've ever had i think like everything from like you know i mean which like i like that show a lot like you know they say it's good but like also, like Eric Andre's show was directly mm -hmm. ripped off of that. Like Space Goes Coast to Coast. Like all of these different. The like, show. I mean, there's yeah, so many. So, yeah. like some of the most genuinely insane moments I think that have ever been on television comes from the fascination they have with talk shows on that show. Um, and like, not not saying that they all you know add up to the same thing as uh, you know the original, which things never really do. But like the the fact that that's kind of become a deconstructed genre. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Larry Sanders show was like the slint of weird talk shows, basically, as yeah. far as influence yeah. goes. Uh, are we doing? Are we doing final thoughts? Anyone? Christina, you have anything? Yeah. I feel like you've we've been I've been railroading you most of the show. Sorry. Oh no, uh, <laughs> I, I I had a long day. Yeah. <clears throat> so 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 just uh, uh, Christina had a question last time I thought was great about Breakfast Club. Uh, that yeah. we should probably ask about Heather's. Has anybody had a Heather's high school experience? Yeah. Well, we talked about it with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we talked I about mean, it with JD. That's kind of the yeah. same. I mean, that's yeah, pretty. We had our own GD, but I, I, I mean, doubt. I, I but but, but uh, the, the Heather's. The Heather's, like, Heather's in general. No. I, I feel like everyone's had some. Like, there's always the the one person yeah. that's like, you know, like the, the most popular person. And then the two people like behind them that you know, if they had the chance to just shank them or something and, and oh. take their place, like, they would 100% just like teenage girls are like ruthless. <laughs> teenage girls are, are animals. They're in a frenzy. Like the, the fact, you know, they're, if one they're of them. They're not really friends with each other. There's yeah. always something. There's always yeah. something. And I'm like, why are they even together? Like Power dynamic. I, I remember actually my Heather's moment was um, I had just moved from Texas to Connecticut. And uh, one of the football players was um, uh, bullying me really hard. And he had slammed my head into a desk right. and was just holding it down there. Um, like, like still pressing. And he's like, you don't like me very much, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of hope you die. And then that <laughs> afternoon, he gets in a car accident and dies. Wow. I'm going to go a lot wider on, on the plugs now. <laughs> uh, no, no, he, um, he, he was passing a car on the right-hand side and they turned into him. Um, yeah. Uh, nearly like uh, his best friend who, who ended up becoming a friend of mine um, uh, was uh, riding on the back of his motorcycle and um, uh, his friend, uh, you know, spent a long time recovering. Uh, he, he actually like, like, you know, he, he, he's one of those people who loves sports, but not because he wants to beat other people because he wants to beat himself, which is kind of like the most healthy way to love, you know, love playing sports. And uh, he, he uh, uh, was able to take a long time through physical therapy and finally end up playing sports um, by the end of the school year, which which was a kind of a triumph. Um, uh, you know, yeah, it was tennis and uh, uh, golf, but you know, it wasn't. You made all this happen. Huh. I feel uh, like you're pitching Michael a, a movie right now. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> like, I feel like wait, the hard work. 
Back that up a little bit. I need to take some more notes. <laughs> but but that absolutely was like my peak Heather's moment uh, in high school. Um, that that and that the ending, uh, you know, always reminds me of uh, my friend Timmy, who I always ate lunch with. Um, he uh, had MS, and um, nobody in high school wanted like like hey, they all grew up together. South Park. Now, now you're just. <laughs> no, no, his name was Timmy. I was mad at South Park for naming him Timmy. I'm like, you know, fuck you guys. Um, but no, no, he um and, and uh basically like like his entire life was just basically watching TV because he couldn't do anything else. Um uh literally uh, all day he had like an assistant around him. None of the other kids who all grew up with him would talk with him. Every day at lunch was the only time he got to be like a, a real person. And we would just hang out and talk about Star Trek or whatever whatever dumb shit we watched on TV. And um, uh, I it, that show, so the, the ending of Heather's always reminds me of uh, Timmy whenever um, Veronica asks uh, Marsha, you know, if she wanted to go uh, watch movies. So my, uh, my, my friend from high school that had MS ended up being the one that crashed the car that I like was permanently injured. In. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how, you know, it's I, not very Heather's. But... Sorry, my, it's marred by uh, tragedy. This question. Uh, wow. Did anybody I, wish uh, you dead right before that? <laughs> I, was I, was gonna say, was I said, I said, uh, I said <laughs> teenage suicide, and then the, the cards hit because <laughs> it was me that was injured in the fucking accident. It wasn't anybody else. <laughs> Everybody else was fine. I think I wish death on myself. <laughs> that playlist, know. man. That, 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 was, that's quite, that's quite the hole that we dug there. Uh, so yeah. take. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> my, my, Michael, True Blood was that cool to work on, or did it suck? No, that was cool to work on. <laughs> and it also sucked. Yeah. That that moved that show for me, because I have no interest in vampires at all. I I love that show because it was satire. And people who yeah. took it seriously as a vampire show, I always thought, what are they thinking when they watch this thing? You know, it was flat out comedy for me from day one. So uh, you know, I know I know a lot of people who love the show, I know a lot of people who hate the show. Lots of opinions on that one, but to make it was a lot of fun. It's a, uh, yeah. If you, I can't imagine viewing it as anything other than like a high farce, but uh, yeah, I yeah. It was very clever for that. It was very, yeah. And I, and I love the escalation of ridiculousness as well, you know, where it's started, started in one way and then just more and more gets involved, like in the soap opera-ness of it. Like it was, uh, I, I can see people again. <laughs> If you treat it seriously, maybe like, what the hell's with this show? But, but like, I think it comes from a grand tradition of like, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of those movies in the 80s, right? Like that, that was sort of like, you know, kind of like sort of celebrating the genre, but also kind of taking the piss out of it a little bit at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah it, it was kind of an 80s thing. But, you know, you know, I tried reading one of the books that it was based on before I started on yeah. the show. And I said, this is nonsense. I can't I can't even get through it, you know. But Alan, Alan Ball, who wrote the show and who created it, is Alan's pretty great. And he, he knew exactly awesome. what he was doing. He knew what he was doing with that show. And, and in the first few years, it was, um, I thought, I thought the satire was really good. So it was fun. And the actors were great to work with. So, and we got to do all sorts of good, you know, gross, bloody things. Fun which do. is always great yeah especially yeah. and like oh and by, we we talked about practical effects earlier like we're we're big fans of practical effects on this show as i think almost every human being is given the choice yet we're con constantly inundated with horrible looking cgi so and especially there's reasons for CGI that 10 years ago looked way better I, you think so 
maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, like the Pirates of the Caribbean, like Davy Jones and like Avatar, like that stuff looks so much better than what we're being given now. I also saw a film somewhat recently. I'm not going to say what it was, uh, but near the end of it, it looked like they just ran out of budget for the CGI. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow, it, that's that doesn't look like how you think that looks. And the rest of it was great. But I, I just was like, wow, that actually ruined the movie for me. It took me. Well, have, you guys ever, have you guys ever seen uh, <laughs> the Jason Statham movie, The Meg, where he fights the, the shark? Is that the one with the shark? He's like fighting yeah, the shark. Yeah, Jason Statham versus a giant shark. Yeah, the worst CGI shark. Of all, like it is clearly a fake, like not even in the Jaws way where it's like practical effects. Yeah. You're like, you know what? Like, I'll give, I'll give you guys a shitload of credit. Like, you tried to make a shark that just didn't look realistic. No, it is, it is like a, a cartoon shark that Jason Statham's like, oi, you there, Mike, I want to fight you right. <laughs> I think it was a made for sci-fi movie and they somehow they got Jason Statham on it and they're just like well we gotta put it in the theater now I watched it in the theater because my brother and I became obsessed with it for a summer like this is when my brother I think first you, got, you guys are gonna watch the sequel right he was uh, challenging so the brother, shark to a fist fight is that what it was so, what's going on so my, so my, bro- so my brother and I uh, my brother I think I just heard seven days like he could just go, go to see rated R movies for like you know really early and he for some reason we decided that we were obsessed with Jason Statham yelling at the shark and trying to beat it up so we went and we saw it in the theater and like just cheered every time he hit the shark yeah. <laughs> no one else was in the theater it was us and like a couple of my like brother's friends and we were loud as fuck just cheering on Jason Statham be like yeah fuck up the shark <laughs> so Michael Forrest basically him and his, his brother Form the whole Sharknado phenomenon is what it sounds like. <laughs> You're welcome. Both after Sharknado, I it's, a, it's called yes. a joke, by the way. I know, I but, I'm, but I, no, I, I was actually now, but now that made me wonder if it was. Yeah, next year, Meg Two, The Trench. <laughs> well, you know, people do run out of money in the middle of these things, and it, yeah. I, you know, I've worked on things where there were grand plans, and especially with CGI these days, they go. Just do it. You know, we're going to make it all happen in CGI. And you go, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really good. We got great people, you know. And then they run out of money and you go, no, you should have never even tried. But I mean, Warner Brothers is only able to release like two more films this year. And then they don't know what they're going to be doing, considering Legendary wants to uh, cut ties with them because this Discovery merger is a bad idea. Yeah, we lost Batgirl, which is done, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever going to see that movie. That's weird. I mean, it's bizarre. It's going to be like, uh, it, it's going to be. Well, the guy who's now running the, the you know, calling the shots is a big, like, Trump MAGA. White that Jerry Lewis movie. That's what I was trying to think of. The, so, oh, like, the Day the Clown Cried. Day the Clown Cried. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be on a double bill with Batgirl somewhere. It's going to be the double bill, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and triple bill is the Fantastic Four, you know, the Roger Corbin one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's. Weird things are going to happen there. I Nobody knows what's going to go on. But this is pure after-party business. We're ostensibly still talking about Heathers. Let's do uh, final thoughts about uh, Heathers. Uh, Michael, anything that you uh, we didn't get to? Anything you wanted? Any vignettes? Or I agree, Jessica Jones criminally underrated. Or uh, uh, you know, stories, anything along those lines I think we touched on that we danced away to talk about whatever else. I can take these questions off the screen. Yeah, get yeah. but I can. Uh, you know what? That's a good <laughs> this question. is actually a good one. This is a good for us. That because that I mean, goes back to my friend. Super chat. Yes, uh, Larry. Larry uh, Karaszewski. Can, can people can see that question, right? 
Yeah, so so the question yeah. is for the audio listeners, who is whose idea was it to use the song K Sarah Sarah in the beginning end of the film? I like the choice of the Sly and the Family Stone version. So it was um I th- I can't remember who where the choice was for using it in the beginning of the film. That may have come from me, it may have come from Dan, it may have come from Larry Karazuski, who suggested the Sly and the Family Stone version for the end. And I was a big Sly and the Family Stone fan, had seen them a couple times when I was a teenager and was into the band and thought I knew everything about Sly and the Family Stone. And Larry said to me one day, he said, you should put the Sly version at the end of the film. I said, yeah, what? He goes, you know, the Sly and the Family Stone version. I said, I didn't know. I didn't realize. So I was like, whoa, holy shit. We got to put that in there. And we did. But Sid Straw sang it for the opening. Sid Straw was a great singer of the day. She's terrifically talented. And um, uh, and we had her do that. And, uh, you know, I don't think we ever looked into getting the Doris Day version. We might have, but it wasn't going to be available to us anyway. It, it still works. Also, so speaking of replacements, I wanted, uh, is it, it, so it's Moby Dick in the movie, but originally supposed to be Cash on the Riot, right? Is that okay? Yeah, we couldn't get the rights for that. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't let us. Because it. it is funny that everyone's like obsessed with Moby Dick and like highlight, yeah, I know. highlight passages well, and like, what? Who does that? Eskimo. No, it was, uh, yeah, Moby Dick was, uh, Moby Dick was uh, Catcher in the Rye and Snappy's Snack Chat was 7 Eleven and. Right. Um, Mineral water was Perrier, and those were three things that uh, you know. New World Pictures didn't have any money, and went. You'd have to send the script to people if you wanted to use their product, right? And uh, or their brand name, and they. I can't imagine how that conversation with Perrier would go too. Like, wait, no, we're it, not it didn't go very far. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to let you do that. It cost yeah. you one billion dollars to do that, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah. Do, uh, Michael, do you have any final thoughts? Anything we didn't get to uh, in regards to the film? Anything that you wanted to? No, to not really. You guys, you've been very thorough, and you know, I, if, if anybody still has a question left about that movie, I'm surprised because <laughs> you know, answering questions about it for so long. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate how much of your uh, Twitter is promoting podcasts that are about Heather's. <laughs> yeah. I don't really like to I don't like to post on Twitter you know I, I like to go there and see what other people are doing but I don't have I don't have time and, and and most a lot of the time I'll go on Twitter for a little bit and then I go fuck this I don't have anything to do with this thing anymore you know I disappear for for a long time I I'm not really great at social media but then uh, if anything's happening you know with a podcast or something with me then I'm you know I'll, I'll tweet about it but yeah I'm I'm I am not good at promotion for stuff, but I do like using social media just to get way too much. Yeah, way too much. But like, I like using social media to get better at being fast at like insulting people on podcasts. Like that's what most. (laughs) So like, very good for my brain. It's like like it's my version of going to like a boxing gym and keeping yourself sharp. Like, is maybe you should go to a boxing gym. Yeah, he's the Rocky in this situation. I'm the Apollo Creed in the first movie. Basically. He's trying to, <laughs> trying to come to the gang. That, that makes me Clubber Lang. I, I'm, I'm yeah, proud of that. I love Mr. Steve. I'll be the Rocky yeah, yeah. dude. I don't care. You can be Drago. Yeah. <laughs> Have we not done any of the Rocky movies? Don't answer that. Anyway, uh, yeah. Forrest, how do you want to RIP to, R- 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 to Gorbachev. <laughs> <laughs> the sponsor of Drago in Rocky Four. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. 
proxy. Look, you know, you don't, you don't need to go. You know, you don't need to actually be a communist and stuff. Russia can just go to the boxing ring, take it out, take out your, uh, your anger. Maybe kill, you know, the the, the first guy. You, I don't know. Like, there's a lot you can do. I'm just saying. <laughs> a lot you can do, indeed. Want some Pizza Hut? Here, have some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about um, the pizza thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. The guy dies, and immediately everybody's posting Pizza Hut ads. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lifetime. Well, that's what we remember him for. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The only reason why I knew that he's still alive is because when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine like a few months ago, there was a really big news story. The last Pizza Hut in Moscow closed uh, to like Pizza. I was like, oh, we're withdrawing from uh, Moscow. So a lot of people, I, I think that that's what what killed it. Like he's old as fuck, but like I think maybe the last straw that he had was like that was what he was holding on for. Yeah, he was, he was like, oh, this is like pizza. This is no pan pizza, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like I like also in the Pizza Hut commercial they debate his legacy. Like that's my favorite part about it. He's like he's given us opportunity, and he's like he's destroyed our system. And it's like what if he's done both and given us Pizza Hut? And then he's just in the corner of the table like. Jerry Pizza was whose kid is that? Did he adopt that baby? Like who's whose whose baby is that? Who's like it's not his baby, but like it's like a five year old kid or something he's sharing Pizza Hut with. He's it's not just his kid. Maybe yeah. it's his grandkid, I don't know. Well remember, like like uh, today I sent uh, sent you guys that meme of the him and that kid and it says, oh, why aren't you eating your pizza hut? Uh pizza and he goes, Because you're a traitor to the revolution. <laughs> there you go. All right, on on uh, on that note, uh it's been a it's been a fun episode. Uh, to close it out here, are we doing an after party? I uh, I'm kind of shot and tired, but I will if you guys want to. I feel like we've been doing the after party for the past 20 minutes, frankly. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean... <laughs> I, I did have a good title for it. It was uh, "Teenage Suicide." Don't do it. But uh, you know, I I could just screenshot that. I don't need to. <laughs> All yeah, right, that's... we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see you guys. We will see you guys uh, next Wednesday. We have eight days that we're taking off. We're gonna do uh, Z. Not a movie about Putin, apparently. Um, yeah. Talk about a wild change of Heather's to Z, right? So we're doing that. It's our final This is a Revolution episode uh, because we want money. We're greedy. And uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're we're, we're splitting that $5 between with, with Michael, remember. It's a five way split for this one. I want so, that dollar. So uh, exactly. just, no. You deserve it. Uh, just remember, I personally, I love my, uh, my dead gay son. <laughs>